This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adinsami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Sardorj, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at americasrt. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable. It's Saturday, and welcome to America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., this weekend on America's Roundtable, we are honored to have a great American patriot and principal leader joining us. Prior to serving Virginians in public office as state senator, Congresswoman Jan Kagan served as a helicopter pilot in the U.S. Navy and worked in our nation's health care system as a geriatric nurse practitioner serving America's aging population. She winged as a naval aviator in 1995 and served our nation for a total of 10 years as a helicopter pilot, completing two deployments to the Persian Gulf. Today, Congresswoman Kiggin serves on the House Armed Services Committee, House Committee on Veterans Affairs, and the Committee on Natural Resources. Congresswoman Kiggins is a tireless advocate for the military community and is dedicated to serving our fellow Americans in advancing our shared principles and values. And on this note, we extend a warm welcome to Congresswoman Kiggins. Good morning and welcome to America's Roundtable. Welcome, Congresswoman Kiggins. Good morning to you both. Thanks for having me today. Thank you. Uh, Congresswoman Kiggins, America is on an unsustainable path of overspending. And instead of balancing the budget, which would mean that we spend what we earn, the U.S. government keeps on overspending and running annual budget deficits, which require more borrowing and constantly increasing debt. The U.S. national debt is currently at $31.7 trillion, which is almost $95,000 per citizen and $200 $48,000 per taxpayer. So a baby born in America today automatically inherits a $95,000 debt. And according to the Congressional Budget Office report released in February this year, federal debt held by the public is projected to rise from 98% this year to 180% of GDP in 2033. And this increase is mostly driven by the growth of interest costs, which we are already paying for the already incurred debt and mandatory spending which outpaced the growth of revenues and the economy. Congresswoman Kiggins, how do we bring fiscal responsibility to the U.S. Congress and how do we move away from the practice of overspending and raising of the debt ceiling for the next generation of our sons and daughters to pay for our reckless spending and how do we transition to passing a balanced budget? Yeah, thank you for all, all of those very valid points. It's very frustrating to me, both as a taxpayer and as a person who tries to balance my budget in my own home, right? I mean, I, I can't spend more than I 
earn. So I'm, I'm mindful of that. And then I make the right decisions. And it's almost like the government has not been mindful at all. And we have seen spending, you mentioned some of the numbers, but uh, the, the amount of debt that we are in now, and, uh, and it's gotten worse and worse, especially over the past two years, but has, has been on this trajectory for quite some time. Both parties have spent a lot of money when they've been in office, but I would consider the past two years uh, the problem has gotten worse and we've seen a lot of wasteful spending on, on priorities that I certainly don't agree with as, as a fiscal conservative. So we are now in this predicament uh, that we have maxed out our credit card. And, and I like to explain to, to people, it's like you gave your teenager a credit card and they, they maxed it out and, and you have to pay the bill because uh, or else your credit would your credit score would be impacted. But there's got to be some repercussions going forward. And we have to have a serious discussion about how we're not going to do this again and where are we going to cut that wasteful spending so so raising the debt ceiling would not come without uh you know some compromise on what are we going to do to stop some of the spending going forward so republicans have put forth a, a plan the limit save grow act that we have passed the, the week before last uh is our proposal right this is how we get president biden to now come to the table to negotiate with speaker mccarthy uh, we have proposed some ideas, flashing funding for those uh, those eighty seven thousand IRS agents. You know, stopping the, some of the the debt loan repayment program, uh, recouping some of the COVID fund funds that haven't been spent. Uh, you know, we have put out ideas and proposals uh, that places we would like to see the wasteful spending cut. And now the president has, has come to the table. I know that they are negotiating with staff during this week, and they're supposed to meet again on Friday, but. There has to be a compromise, which which doesn't mean that, you know, the Democrat wants or the Democrats show up. The president wants to say my way or the highway and we're going to just have a clean debt ceiling raise because that that's not the right answer. If we raise the debt ceiling, there's got to be some ways that we don't continue to spend uh, going forward, because you're right. I mean, your children and my children and grandchildren are inheriting this debt. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's not that it's not healthy for our for our country, for our economy. We see inflation that's record breaking now. I mean, I grocery shop every week, and uh, the price of I, we buy ice cream every week for the family and the four kids, and <laughs> and ice cream has almost doubled from from what it used to be several years ago. Right. So, you know, that's that's kind of my uh, my gold standard for how's the economy doing. Just some pick up pick anything in the grocery store. I mean, it costs more now than, than it did several years ago. So, and families are struggling even just if you want to buy a new car, a new home. I mean, it, we've got to do a better job at getting this inflation under control because we can't sustain uh, and businesses can't sustain and industry can't sustain because everything costs more from, you know, build, building something new to, to buying almost anything. So we are working on it. I am watching and, and I certainly hope that the discussions uh, go well on Friday. Congressman Kiggins, when we met with you recently, we heard about your extraordinary service to our nation. You shared your personal journey with Natasha Sardoch and I, that when serving as a U.S. Navy helicopter a pilot, you flew over the Balkans, and your efforts brought much-needed humanitarian assistance uh, to people in need, but also the vital support for our troops serving in a peacekeeping force. You serve on the Veterans Affairs Committee, and Congressman Kiggins, you led 55 of your colleagues in writing a letter addressed to Dennis. McDonough. 
President Biden's appointee, who fills the post as Secretary of the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. And in the letter with colleagues, you write, and I quote, Mr. Secretary, the department's assertions are dishonest and shameless. The facts are that nowhere in the Limit Save Grow Act, as it is indicated, that the VA budget would be cut, unquote. Congressman Kiggins, what are we to make of this relentless media campaign carried out by the Biden White House and Secretary McDonough to push a false narrative? And what is your message to veterans across America and their families? Yeah, thank you very much for asking about that. Republicans have said time and time again, and our leadership has reiterated that uh, that of those spending cuts that we've proposed, we will not touch Social Security benefits or Medicare benefits or benefits for our veterans or defense spending. So it's it's so important to me as a veteran, as a spouse of a veteran, daughter of a veteran, granddaughter of a veteran. I'm the mother to future veterans. You know that we really look out for those veterans that so or the benefits that so many of our veterans are depending on right now. And it's very frustrating that the secretary of the VA had chose to put uh, to really have a press release and to put on their website uh, that the GOP budget proposal would cut veteran benefits. And then he used words like assumed and would and could. And that was not factual. It was dishonest. We had a meeting with him yesterday where I met with him and several of my Republican veteran colleagues and said to him to his face, that was the wrong choice. That was to, to use our veterans as as political pawns and to spread dishonest information, to scare them and to fear monger, just to score political points. We're not going to do this anymore. So we let him know very loud and clear that that we we disagreed. We requested that that information come off the website. And when the budget comes out and veteran benefits are indeed protected, that he clarify. And we we said we would be happy to work together with him on future press releases so that we could get correct and accurate and factual information out to our veterans because that's what they deserve. And that's why myself and and the veteran colleagues that I serve with ran for office to look out for people who have served our country, not to not to use them as as political pawns, again, just to to score points. That is not what any of us are here to do. So it was a good meeting. I am hopeful going forward that uh, that we can see uh, some integrity returned uh, to the secretary of the VA and that and the Department of Veteran Affairs, because, again, that is what our, our veterans deserve. Yes, and thank you so much for your service, uh, Congresswoman Kiggins, and your family as well. Congresswoman Kiggins, according to Customs and Border Protection, uh, Border Patrol agents apprehended 10,000 migrants this past Monday and another 10,000 migrants on Tuesday. And these are the highest single-day totals of illegal crossings ever recorded. A Style 42 public health order introduced by the Trump administration was set to expire this past week. We are left without a tool to reduce the number of migrants crossing the southern border. Uh, Congresswoman Kiggins, you visited the U.S. southern border together with Speaker McCarthy and several other freshman members of Congress in February. You met with Customs and Border Patrol agents, local law enforcement, residents and community leaders, and you talked about challenges caused by the uncontrolled influx of immigration to America. You describe it as national security and humanitarian crisis. What are your recommendations? What needs to be done to secure the southern border, stop illegal immigration and border crossings by terrorists and drug cartels? 
Yeah. And, and I have visited twice, uh, once during the campaign and then once since been, being elected to Congress. And uh, it is truly a, a crisis down there. And what our what our Border Patrol are being asked to do, especially right now, as Title 42 is is scheduled to to end this week. I mean, I am I am concerned. Uh, we all see the drone footages of the thousands of people that are that are waiting to cross our border. The Biden administration has not acknowledged that there's a crisis at the border for years now. And now that you're going to pay attention to it this week and send uh, you know military men and women down there, and you know it's too little, too late. Uh, so we've got to to put some real change in place, and that's what the bill we're bringing to the floor this week, which is HR two, uh, which is the Republican border bill, will do. And one of the biggest the big provisions in that bill is finishing the wall. That's something that we have we have parts of the wall. We have security cameras. We have lighting uh, that was in place but never constructed when Biden came to office on January twentieth. He put in a stop work order. They they stopped any type of construction on the wall and have been storing it in warehouses that taxpayers are paying to store mm-hmm. uh, these parts. We need to finish that wall. We need to continue to put the funding towards that project. That's what this bill will do. This bill will also support our Border Patrol agents by allowing for funding for 22,000 more of them, which should be helpful. It has some recruitment uh, retention incentives in there for Border Patrol, supports law enforcement, also as a transparency part of that bill, so we can have some accurate reporting on how many people are are crossing uh, the border, how many are being apprehended. But I mean, the, you, you mentioned the humanitarian crisis and the fentanyl that's coming to this country alone. It's the number one killer for for younger uh, younger Americans, age eighteen to forty five. And we, I think there's very few of us that don't know someone that's been impacted by, by a fentanyl death or by the fentanyl crisis. So that is truly humanitarian crisis number one. Uh, but then also you know, we listen to the conditions that these migrants are traveling through and how the cartels are, are running the show. And, uh, you know, the, the cartels have, have lots of money. They are, they are dressing these people in camouflage and making them uh, go through just inhumane conditions and uh, getting them to the other side uh, and almost holding them hostage until they they pay off the the exorbitant fees that the cartels are are charging. But uh, we hear such sad stories from the ranchers of, of even death that they are that they are seeing, you know, the people that cross into the into their ranches into the so it is it's something that has got to be acknowledged first by the administration and then addressed. But we certainly can't continue this path of this wide open border. It will be a, a crisis of, of magnitude like we've, we have not seen. Uh, we need to bring back remain in Mexico policies where people are waiting uh, in their home country, those that, that are applying for asylum. But we absolutely cannot continue with the inhumane policy or lack and, and the lack of policy that we've seen out of the Biden administration. And Congresswoman Kiggins, you have been certainly on the full front of making sure America is energy independent again. And in January of this past year, the Biden administration lifted sanctions imposed on Venezuela. And now a nation led by a brutal dictator has re-entered the world's energy market thanks to Biden's policy. And so rather than unleash America's energy independence, we are now aiding the Maduro government in Venezuela to create more havoc. In essence, we're creating another Vladimir Putin. You voted in favor of HR1, the Lower Energy Costs Act. And HR1 will allow our domestic industry and energy industry to flourish by removing 
all the complicated permitting regulations and modernizing outdated laws. Congressman Kagans, how can our fellow Americans get more involved to reverse this dangerous trend of having America depend upon rogue states? And what is your message to our fellow Americans? And why should we get all behind supporting HR1, the Lower Energy Costs Act? Yeah, you're right. HR1 was was a great bill and, and does... Uh make America energy independent again. So we don't have to buy uh, oil in and whatnot from our adversaries. Like you mentioned, places like Venezuela and Russia and uh, very important that this bill pass. Something that Americans can do is write to their federal representatives and let them know that you know, they support HR one, that we need to return to being domestic energy producers and exporters, everything from natural gas uh, to oil and fuel, but uh, we, we can do this in our country and the, the permitting and regulatory burden that we have placed on our on our oil industry is, is not only driving uh, fuel prices high, but it's also making us rely on adversaries for energy sources. And, and that's what we, we don't need to do that. We uh, we can be energy independent. There is uh, we are doing a good job at uh, not only in taking all above energy approach and exploring some alternative energy sources. I, I think that that the majority of us are interested in finding fiscally conservative ways that we can explore, uh, you know, other energy sources. But but uh, that H.R. one bill is so important just for protecting, again, our oil and gas industry. You know, the military relies on uh, on the fuel industry uh, to power our vehicles and uh, aircraft. And so very important that we that we continue to just incentivize uh, helping them. And uh, and I would love to see the Senate pass that bill and the president to sign it. So we, we will be watching. Thank you, Congresswoman Kiggins, for joining us on America's Roundtable Radio. We'd appreciate your final thoughts. Yeah, I just want a special shout out to nurses. It's National Nursing Week. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> as a nurse practitioner, as a geriatric nurse practitioner, uh, I am. Uh, it's just a special honor to be able to be a voice and advocate for all of our nurses here in Congress. And they're a hardworking group of people that uh, that we really asked a lot of during the COVID pandemic, and and I'm just thankful for their dedication to our profession and to taking care of our patients and their families. So, so wanted to thank them. And then just thanks to you for having me today and, uh, and be able to share some thoughts with, with listeners. And, uh, and I look forward to hopefully coming back again soon. Right. Wonderful. And thank you Kings, so much. So indeed. inspired with you and with your biography. I mean, you're a Navy pilot, a medical practitioner, state senator, now congresswoman. And it's a, it's just the beginning, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'm happy, happy to be here in Congress. It's a great honor. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you so thank much you so indeed. Much. Yeah, have a great day. Thank you. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Jolan Insami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at America's RT. 
We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. 